This is the fourth and final episode of the mini podcast series, The Truth About Christmas. My name is Chris Stewart, and I pastor Oasis Church, which meets in the middle between Athens, Ohio, and Pomeroy, Ohio, at Rock Springs at the Ohio Valley Christian Assembly Church Camp. That's where we meet on Sunday mornings. Right now, we had always met since 2013. We had met in the Athens Middle School, but due to the pandemic, we had been unable to meet there. And so we are very grateful for the good people of the Ohio Valley Christian Assembly who have allowed us to use that camp since last October. Well, tonight is Christmas night. And all over the world, there will be people who put their children to bed and those kids will have a hard time going to sleep because they'll be thinking about this fella, Santa Claus, coming into their house and leaving presents. Maybe these kids will be a little scared about some stranger coming into their home. Maybe maybe there's a little bit of reluctance there to fall asleep because they're nervous about this. But all over the place, there is teaching of Santa Claus. And I just want to talk about where Santa Claus originated. There was a fourth century Christian bishop named St. Nicholas. And very little is known about the real Nicholas, except that he was probably the Bishop of Lycia. Well, in the Middle Ages, when it became popular to hold saints in high respect and high regard, legends about Nicholas began to flourish. And one of those legends said that he had given three bags of gold to the daughters of a poor man so that the girls would not have to earn their dowries or their land and possessions that they would gain from marriage in that day through prostitution. And this Saint Nicholas wanted to bless people so that they wouldn't have to stoop to that. Well, another legend claimed that he had miraculously restored three little boys to life after they had been cut up for bacon. <laughs> Weird, I know. And so, at any rate, this Nicholas, Saint Nicholas, became known as a giver of gifts and the patron saint of children. And his day, saints were often given a day for us to celebrate them, his day is December 6th. Well, Nicholas was particularly popular in Holland. And it's in Holland where the customs of linking Nicholas to Christmas seem to have first begun. Dutch children expected the friendly saint, Saint Nicholas, to visit them during the night before his day, December 6th, so the night of December 5th, 
and they developed the custom of placing their wooden shoes by the fireplace so that he would come down and fill their shoes with gifts. And Santa Claus is the Americanization of the Dutch name Sinterklaas. Well, of course, by the time Santa Claus became part of American tradition, children discovered that you can get a lot more gifts in a sock than you can get in a wooden shoe. And so the adjustment to that custom was made in the middle 19th century or so. Well, finally, an American poet named Clement Moore may be more responsible than any other person for popularizing Santa Claus. And he wrote a poem called A Visit from St. Nicholas in 1822, which begins with the famous line, "'Twas the night before Christmas." And it was published in the Troy, New York Sentinel, and it was immediately popularized and has endured ever since. We have a lot of interesting traditions this time of year, and they're fun. But never forget the truth about Christmas. And many people have more knowledge of our fun little traditions than they have of the truth about Christmas. On that very first Christmas, most of the earth was oblivious to what was happening. Almost every person, animal, thing on earth had no clue what was going on. But if you could glimpse into heaven, you would have been able to see that they knew fully well what was going on. The holy angels were waiting in anticipation to break forth in the praise and worship and adoration at the birth of a newborn child, one who was unlike any other child that had been born on the earth before. This child's birth meant deliverance for all of mankind. And so this angel comes and tells Joseph, it is he who will save his people from their sins. You are to name him Jesus. And Jesus in heaven with those angels knew that's what he would do. He knew that he would go there, be born and be a baby child, grow up, live underneath this adopted father as a carpenter, work a, a steady job with him, be in the small little rural town, grow up, begin a ministry, and then he would eventually have to die. I envision a farewell in heaven that I think must have taken place on the very first Christmas Eve. I imagine the Son, the second member of the Trinity, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, might have looked at the Father and said goodbye to the Father, and the Father goodbye to the Son. In fact, I'm sure it happened. Because the son's goodbye 
His message is recorded in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 through 7, where it says this, When he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you have taken no pleasure in those. And then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. That passage of Scripture gives us a, an astounding look at the heart of the Savior before his birth. He knew that he was entering the world to be the final and ultimate sacrifice for sin. His body had been divinely prepared specifically for that purpose. Jesus was going to die for the sins of the world, and he knew it. Even more so, he was willing to do it. He was going willingly. And that was the whole point of the incarnation. You see, the important issue of Christmas It's not so much that Jesus came, but why he came and for whom he came. There was no salvation in his birth. Celebrating the birth of Jesus means nothing without recognizing and embracing the death of Jesus and what that accomplishes for you. Jesus came to this earth to reveal who God is to human beings, to you and me, to men and women, to children. He came to teach the truth. He came to fulfill all that the scripture had written about. He came to offer this kingdom that God desires for all of us to be part of, a kingdom of peace, a kingdom of joy, a kingdom of love and grace, and a kingdom of perfection. Tomorrow, and perhaps tonight, you might exchange gifts with someone. Christmas is a good time for giving. I mean, after all, we're celebrating the greatest gift ever given, the Son of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God's great gift to us was, first of all, a gift of love to an unworthy world. And he gave us his gift, not because he had to, but because he loves us. So much of our world is literally filled with the unnecessary, the insignificant, and the meaningless. I mean, people spend a fortune on all kinds of junk during Christmas. And why? Well, often it's out of obligation. I've got got to get something, and I've got to get something this year that was bigger and better than last year, and we just got to keep spinning this vicious cycle that we're in every Christmas. There's no meaning in that. 
And so redeem gift giving. Redeem it. Be reminded every time you hand something to someone else, whether it's one small gift, whether it's a large gift, whether it's many gifts, whatever it is, be reminded of God's great gift and let our gift giving reflect His love. Because if we can keep that perspective, especially in the minds of our children, then this practice can be one of the most blessed and enjoyable aspects of this holiday that we call Christmas. May God bless you and Merry Christmas. Christmas.